Michael Forth uh, on our hotline. Of course, Chris, ESPN Plus, uh, covering mocks. And, of course, my partner on Friday Night Rivals and CW High School Football, a little 92-9 the game with Atlanta Falcons. And uh, Just what what hat are you wearing today, Chris? We appreciate your time, man. Happy Friday. How you doing? Hey, man. It's good to be on with you guys. Yeah. Yes, uh, what's... Just uh, let's start with Mox football, and we'll kind of we'll kind of bounce around to a little bit stuff. But how you know we we got to, to see that game Saturday, and of course they're heading to the Citadel uh, tomorrow. But what was your overall reaction? I mean, I, that team's a lot better than I expected, or at least they played that way Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time hearing you, Quake. You're you're really really low, but I think you're asking about. My reaction to what the mocks did last week. Yeah, look, I thought it was a great win. And I went back, um, I guess it was Sunday. I went back and, and kind of watched, um, you and I, uh, I went back and kind of watched the game again. And, and I don't mean to take anything away from UTC when I say this, but man, Watford quit. And I don't know that I realized it at that point in time when you and I were in Finley Stadium on Saturday. But when I went back, you know, Sunday afternoon and watched that game again, it became really, really apparent to me with about about four minutes left in that game, man, Wofford was done. I mean, they just flat quit. So I don't know what, um, you know, I, you know, and of course, I guess you saw this week where now they, they have, um, claimed they've got a a COVID issue and they're not going to be able to play. So, I don't know what all was going on there. And, again, I'm not taking anything away from UTC. I thought the Mocs had a good game plan. I thought they played really, really well. Um, That offense looked much, much better, certainly much better than what it did against Western Carolina. Um, I thought Drayton Arnold played really, really well. And and I've known all along. I've thought all since the end of, you know, the 2019 season that going into 2020 with what the Mocs had, that defense was going to be really, really good, um, and they are. I mean, that is a legit, you know, top ten defense in FCS football. I agree, and I, and you know, so you what you were saying is Wofford has a COVID issue, so they won't play. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Wofford has a, okay. uh, a COVID issue this week, so they're not going to be able to play. And so, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're using that as an excuse. But man, you go back and watch that game on Saturday, guys. They quit. I it mean, almost has a it, it, it almost has a feeling of if uh, it, it, they drove it right down the field the first drive real easy, and then Chattanooga answered to it, and then their defense stepped up, and it almost had a feel of like they got punched in the mouth, and they didn't really know how to respond to that, or at least they didn't Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I, again, I thought the mocks took it to them. I thought that defense played really well um and and i think the exciting thing is if you're a if you're a mox fan is look at those young guys on that defense that played uh you know quay wiggles seeing his first action john prince seeing his first action that's two defensive linemen that came out who are absolute true freshmen who came out and played really really well against what a lot of people thought was the you know, the, the number 11 ranked team in the nation. And, uh, those kids went out and not only did they play, man, they, they more than held their own against them. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. I hope, I hope everybody stays healthy. Um, you know, regardless of, of how the rest of this spring goes, I hope they stay healthy 
because when it comes to, um, you know, when we, we get back together again in August and September for this thing, um, man, I think they've got a chance to be, they got a chance to be special. They do, man. I love the way Reggie Henderson stepped up at a wide receiver position after they lost to Bryce Nunley. Also, Jay Gibson at tight end because Chris James is out for the spring. So uh, they've got a lot of stuff. And depth is you know, kind of what we're talking about, too. They've got a lot of stuff to be excited about for the fall. Yeah, I mean, you know, and look, you and I talked about it here last week. You and I talked about it Saturday before kickoff. What is this offense going to look like without Chris James, who had a really nice game against Western Kentucky, What's it going to look like without a limb Ford who rushed for 95 yards against Western Kentucky? And I think the question was answered. The offensive line played tremendous. Uh, Reggie Henderson stepped up. Andrew Manning stepped up. Jay Gibson stepped up. And Drake Arnold played. He was exactly like the way Rusty Wright described him to us uh, last week. He said the, the kid doesn't get rattled. He's always calm, he's always cool, and he doesn't try to force things. And, uh, you know, other than I think it was early in that game, it might have been on the first drive where he threw a pass that probably should have been intercepted by Wofford. But other than that, I thought he did a really nice job just kind of directing that offense, and they were efficient. Be interesting to see what if, if they can go down to the Citadel and 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 stop that uh, you know that triple option that the Citadel's famous for, uh, you know, junk what they had last week and then start all over again defensively uh, down there in Charleston. So that one kicks off tomorrow. Uh, your thoughts on the South Pittsburgh head football coach vacancy? I mean, is there any new news there, or what do we know? Well, let's. Um, gosh. Let's see. I'll, I'll I'll give you guys the Cliff Notes version of, of what I think is happening and and where this thing is headed. Um, Here we go. I love it. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure. I, I want I want to go back. I want I want Joe to go back and find the tape because I'm pretty sure that I told you guys before the one A state championship game that that would be his last game as the head coach at South Pittsburgh. So I just want to. Uh, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need Joe to to admit that I was right. First. Well, our computer is down, the whole network's down. Uh-huh. So yeah, yep. I understand. Mm-hmm. Ran out of tape. Sorry. So uh, so anyway, uh, interesting. Then that a couple of years ago, when you know when Sean Peake left there, they hired a guy named Brad Wagner, who had been the head coach at at Trousdale County at one point, and. It had a pretty nice little run of a couple of years at a head coach down in you know, somewhere down in Georgia, and uh, Coach Wagner came there, and I believed, and I think everybody there believed that he would end up being the guy that would replace, you know, Vic whenever he was ready to step away. And then I, you know, later this uh, earlier this week, I should say, I find out where he's the leading candidate to be the head coach at uh, Scottsboro, uh, and then okay. last night the Scottsboro board school board voted him down as their head coach so i guess as it stands right now brad wagner will uh you know stay at south pittsburgh now whether or not he's going to be a candidate to be the head coach i don't know i think the front runner right now would probably be chris jones a name folks will remember was a really good player as a matter of fact uh, he was a teammate of vic riders vic was the center at south pittsburgh back in the mid 80s and they ran the old single-wing offense under Vic's dad, uh, Don. And Chris Jones was the single-wing tailback. And then, of course, Chris left South Pittsburgh, played a couple of years, 
for uh, uh, Buddy Nix at UTC, and then went on. I think he did a, a graduate uh, assistant at Alabama. He was a coach maybe at Tennessee Tech for a little while, but really has kind of made a living coaching in the Canadian Football League. Most recently, he was the head coach of the uh, is it, was it Saskatchewan? I think it was one of those. Yeah, yeah but he, and then he ended up on uh, uh, him and Freddie Kitchens have been buddies. So Freddie Kitchens hires him in Cleveland to be an analyst for the Browns, and that lasted all of about a year, and Freddie gets blown out. And so Chris ends up coming back to South Pittsburgh. Um, he's got some kids that are in school, and I think his feeling is he, he's ready to come home. And, uh, you know, he'd like to come home and be the head coach at his alma mater, and I think there's some community support there that lends itself to, to that being the case for him. I know there's going to be some other guys that are going to apply for that job. Um, from what I understand, I think there'll be some fairly big names from around the state of Tennessee, some guys from some higher classifications that will apply for that job, some names we all know. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of who the front runner is, I think right now it's, you know, it's probably going to be Chris Jones. Let me let me ask you this, and I and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody down there, but is this one of those situations where a guy from outside the community can actually get a hundred percent support? Because I think Chris Jones, nobody can compare to a CFL and a and a NFL analyst, offensive analyst uh, resume. I mean, that's just ridiculous as far as a resume goes, and he's a part of the family, you know. So I mean, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. I just don't think that the South Pittsburgh brass would go somewhere else when they had a, a guy who played for them with that much credentials? Well, you know, they've done that. Uh, you know, here's the thing. South Pittsburgh hadn't had a whole lot of head coaches in the last 50-plus years. True. You know, they've had, uh, uh, you know, Don Grider was there forever. He leaves Danny Wilson, who was not a South Pittsburgh guy. Danny takes his, takes his place. Uh, was there for a couple of years, so won a state championship as the head football coach and the head baseball coach, which is crazy in my opinion. He's now at Cahula Creek. Um, and then uh, after Danny is when, you know, Vic got the job. Vic leaves. Ricky Ross was the head coach there for about eight weeks. And then uh, they hired Tim Moore, a former pirate, and things kind of fell apart. And that was when Vic, you know, they basically – begged him for a lack of a better way they pretty much said look what do you need what's it going to take to get you to come back and take this job and and get us out of this mess uh so they've gone outside the family before it worked once really well with uh, um you know with danny uh, yep. didn't work that well in their opinion with ricky ross so uh you know are, are they willing to do that yeah but I, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, again, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of there is no lack of support. There is no lack of money when it comes to that football program. Uh, they're going to get a lot of really qualified. I mean, that's a good job, uh, and there's going to be a lot of really qualified people that will will apply for that job. I think they've got two years of being really good, pretty good. Let me say that. And then I think there's going to be a downturn uh, for them. And that's unfortunate for who the next guy is because the next guy is probably going to go, you know, 9-1, and 8-2 his first couple of years. And then, you know, they could be looking at a 4-6 and six or a 3-7 and seven for a couple of years. How dare um, you? 
That's I know, but I'm just telling you, that's kind of the way. Look, it all goes in cycles. I don't care what anybody says. And South Pittsburgh has been at the top of the cycle for a very long time now. They haven't had a losing record, I believe. Uh, well, I know the worst year Vic ever had, he went 2-7 and seven back in 2000. And that was coming off a year where he won the state championship in 99 and they had 18 seniors and, right. you know, led the nation in scoring. And that following right. year, they weren't very good. They had the dip that all 1A and 2A programs take. You just It's just so hard from a numbers standpoint to be at that level, which I think makes what they have done there over the last, you know, 20 years, I think it's been pretty remarkable. No doubt. Very impressive. No doubt. Very impressive. Switch to your NFL hat. I mean, let's talk about some of these quarterbacks. First of all, uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, come on. He's not leaving Seattle, is he? What do you think? No. No. And I'll I'll tell you, here's the reason why it's not happening, and and this is the reason why I believe the whole thing with with Russell Wilson is all, man, this is his agent putting stuff out there. First off, there's no way he can leave unless, Seattle just says, we're going to hit the reset button, we're going to blow it up, and we're going to start all over again because it's too much dead money. And unless you're willing to just total do a total rebuild, then it doesn't make any sense. And I don't think Pete Carroll is there right now with the idea of saying, yeah, I'm, I'll coach these guys through a rebuild, and, and in you know four years we'll, we'll try to get back in the playoffs or whatever. The other thing that I – and I find this funny – you know, one of the things that he's come out and said about the Seahawks is he wants them to revamp the offensive line. He wants better protection, right? So who are the four teams that he supposedly has said he'll accept a trade to? The Saints, the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Bears. The Saints have cap issues. They're about to have to cut some offensive linemen. Raiders are going to have to cut three of their offensive linemen. He's not going to the Cowboys because they're going to re-sign Dak Prescott. And Chicago's going to have to cut their right tackle very soon over cap issues. So he's wanting Seattle to improve their offensive line. And then the teams that he's saying that he would be traded to are all, for the most part, at least the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears, are all teams that have got offensive line issues. So it doesn't make any sense. Well, also, Russell Wilson's game just leads to more hits anyway. I mean, so it's he can talk about you know wanting to be protected more, but the way he plays the game at the quarterback position, he's going to get hit more regardless. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a mobile guy, and frankly, to your point, Joe, he's probably better when he is moving around a little he bit. He is, yeah. I he's I agree with you, Chris. He's going to stay in Seattle. I just that would be a shocker if he if they traded him or if he demanded a trade. It's going to be you know the thing about all these quarterbacks right now in the NFL is there are and I think I'm right about this. You guys can probably look this up. I heard this somewhere or read it somewhere the other day, and and but I believe I'm right. There are 12 quarterbacks in the NFC, 12 in the NFC who all make more than 21 million dollars a year. Jeez, and at some point in time, that just doesn't that doesn't set itself up for you to have long term success when you've got that much money tied up in in one guy. That's Chris Goforth no, money that, right there. That is, I'm telling you. Hey, it's good if you can get it, Joe. <laughs> Chris, always appreciate your uh, knowledge and insight and uh, and your time, especially. And hey, uh, real you got quick, little, yes. What, wait, I got one more thing for you guys, and maybe you guys can talk about this on Monday. I didn't realize this. I get up early every morning, and that's when I do my 
I read The Athletic. I read ESPN.com. I do all the reading. One of the things I learned today, did you guys know, and Quake, you'll, you, I, I wish we had Dr. B to talk about this with, but Monday is the 50th anniversary of Ali Frazier. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that until this morning. Did you know that Burt Lancaster, the actor, worked on the television broadcast of the Ali Frazier fight? No, I had no idea. I also didn't realize that, and I don't know why, because this, I mean, it, it, I realized it once I read it. You know, that's the first time Ali had fought in four years because he got stripped that. of his title and nobody would sanction him or commission a fight involving him because he was a draft dodger. And I didn't, I mean, I he knew that part of the story. To to Vietnam. The I knew guy that part didn't of the story. fight for four years. Yeah, I didn't Crazy. realize that was the first fight back was Ollie Frazier. Yeah. So I'm no wonder that's yeah. so much hype. Chris, I always appreciate it, brother, man. You uh, you have hey, a great weekend, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. All right, guys. Be good. See you. Thank you. Chris Goforth, man of many hats, and, of course, um, loves 